0: Brothers and sisters, it is the Remnant Warrior here from Kingdom Productions and Publishing. And I just want to welcome all of you who don't already watch this channel on a regular basis. I want to let you know that we upload new content several times a week, but at least every week. So. You don't want to miss out when we upload something new. Thank you all in advance for your subscription. I love each and every one of you. Until next time, God bless you all.
1: In 1987, the British Social Attitude Survey conducted a poll that revealed that 75% of the British population at that time believed homosexual behaviour to be always or mostly wrong. Only 11% claimed that it was never wrong. So, said another way, 89% of the country at that time had some kind of negative attitude towards homosexuality. By 2012, however, when the same organisation ran the same poll, they discovered that only 28% of the population now believed homosexual behaviour was always or Are mostly wrong, while 47%, nearly half, said that it was never wrong. Of course, today we have journeyed still further. Homosexuality is now so widely approved of that gay marriage has been enshrined in law. It's actively promoted as a healthy alternative lifestyle, and people who dare to speak against it will usually find themselves being branded as a bigot and a hater, and possibly even at risk of prosecution on hate speech charges. Now, of course, many on the left call this change in attitudes progress. They believe this is evidence that we're becoming more tolerant and loving and committed to equality. Their ideology tells them that a love-filled utopia lies this way just over the horizon. They view themselves as pioneers of a brave new world. But believe it or not, this isn't the first time in history that a culture has embraced homosexuality. No trails are being blazed here. The Bible says, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done and there is nothing new under the sun is there a thing of which it is said see this is new it has been already in the ages before us there is no remembrance of former things nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after so the bible is saying you think you're doing something new this has all been done in ages past we just don't remember it and when we don't remember former things the risk is that we repeat the same mistakes over and over this is why we pause to remember fallen soldiers on November 11th every year because in remembering those former things we hope to guard against it happening again in the future. Now homosexuality was rife about 2,000 years ago in greco Roman culture. Craig Turner says the practice of homosexuality in the Roman Empire had increased during the early years until the Romans accepted and adopted the pedestry of the Greeks. Though at first the acts were considered acceptable only if the boy was a slave, the Romans eventually extended their tolerance of homosexual acts to adult men both free and slave. Same-sex marriage, once unthinkable, was not far behind. The normalisation of homosexuality in ancient Rome came in incremental stages. At first it was only deemed acceptable with slave boys, then the boundaries were slackened a bit more, and it was considered acceptable between free adults. Then it ended with the acceptance of full-blown gay marriage. The Roman historian Tacitus reports that by the first century, even emperors like Nero indulged themselves in these things. So again, our culture is not blazing a trail here. Societies have passed this way before. And throughout all history, the gradual normalisation of homosexuality within the Roman Empire has been universally accepted to be a sign of its moral decay. Academics declared that the Roman Empire collapsed because it became hedonistic. Flagrant homosexuality was merely a marker that the cultural degradation had reached its latter stages. The prominent Italian historian and the deputy head of the country's National Research Council, Robert Di Mattei, attracted a storm of outrage from liberals in 2011 when he said that the Roman Empire collapsed because of a contagion of homosexuality and effeminacy. Talking about how we're now making the exact same mistakes he said, today we live in an era in which the worst vices are inscribed in law as human rights.
0: Androgyny. I've always been fascinated, attracted, you know, to the subject of androgyny, uh, and, and that's what, what sexual persona is. I explored it in history, but the, the more I explored it, I realized that um, that historically, this uh, this uh, the movement toward androgyny occurs in late phases of culture. Okay, as a as a, a civilization is starting to uh, unravel. Okay, and that and you can find it again and again and again through history in the in, in the in the Greek art. Okay, you can you can see it happening. All of a sudden, okay, there's a, there's a kind of uh, you know the, the the sculptures of of um, of handsome nude young men athletes that used to be very robust. Okay, in the archaic period, suddenly begin to seem like wet noodles. Okay, toward the end. Okay, and, the, uh, and that and that the people who 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 live in such periods, a late phase of culture whether it's, it's the Hellenistic era, whether it's the Roman Empire, whether it's, it's uh, the mauve decade of Oscar Wilde in the 1890s, whether it's Weimar Germany, people who live in such times okay, feel that um, they're very sophisticated, they're very cosmopolitan, okay? homosexuality, heterosexuality, so what, anything goes, and so on. All right? and so, and but but we, from the perspective of, of historical distance, okay, you can see that it's a culture that no longer believes in itself,
1: in other words, the renormalization of homosexuality is not a sign of progression to a brand new future, it's a sign of regression to a degraded past that's already been. We're falling backwards here. So, again, let's look at the arguments surrounding this. There is no conclusive scientific evidence to believe that anyone is born gay. Scientists have been trying to prove this for decades with no success. There have been sensational claims, of course. In 1991, a homosexual neuroscientist called Simon LeVay conducted a study showing small differences in the anterior hypothalamus region of heterosexual and homosexual male brains. Basically, the heterosexual's hypothalamus, on average, was much larger. The newspapers at the time pounced on this data, claiming that brain size had been scientifically proven to dictate sexual preference. But it wasn't true. The wider scientific community pored over the data, ran their own tests, and discovered a problem. All of Levey's gay participants were found to have HIV-AIDS, and this disease is known to shrink the size of the hypothalamus by decreasing testosterone levels. Therefore, the size differences he witnessed were just a result of that disease, not a root cause of homosexuality. Indeed, there are a number of factors that cause changes to the size of the hypothalamus. Ruth Hubbard, a professor of biology at Harvard University, and George Wald, a Nobel Prize winner in physiology and medicine, after conducting studies of their own, completely wrong LaVey's findings, saying there was no way to tell anything about an individual's sexual orientation by looking at his hypothalamus. In fact, LaVey later said himself in 2011 that his findings had simply been misinterpreted by the press. It's important to stress what I didn't find. I did not prove that homosexuality is genetic or find a genetic cause for being gay. I didn't show that gay men are born that way, the most common mistake people make in interpreting my work, nor did I locate a gay centre in the brain. Soon after LeVay in 1993 came a homosexual geneticist called Dean Hamer. He published a paper in Science Magazine stating that genetic markers on the X chromosome could influence the development of same-sex attraction in men. So basically he was claiming that homosexuality is coded into some people through their DNA and they have as much control over it as they do over the colour of their hair or their eyes. Now while gay gene headlines made for sensational newspaper sales, the wider scientific community was again quick to point out that his whole study was fatally flawed. A Canadian team tried to replicate Hamer's findings and came up with completely different results. They said at the time, It is unclear why our results are so discrepant from Hamer's original study. Because our study was larger than that of Hamer, we certainly had adequate power to detect a genetic effect as large as was reported in that study. Nonetheless, our data do not support the presence of a gene of large effect influencing sexual orientation at position XQ28284667. They continued, these results do not support an X-linked gene underlying male homosexuality. So as quickly as Hamer's theory had come to prominence, it too had been completely refuted. By 2012, scientists had largely become exasperated with brains and genes, so they changed tack once again. They proposed that perhaps sexual preference was dictated by variations in hormone levels that foetuses are exposed to in the womb. As usual, the media jumped on the idea, ran some sensational headlines, and as usual, the data wasn't as conclusive as it first appeared. In fact, liberals began tiring of these constant disappointments. Samantha Allen, writing for the Daily Beast in 2014, said, The popular media, once so easily convinced by LeVay that homosexuality resulted from brain size and by Hamer that homosexuality was genetic, promptly changed its tune to declare that homosexuality was now epigenetic. Hooray! If it's hard to get excited about these studies is because at this point biological explanations for homosexuality are like iphones a new one comes out every year today there is still absolutely no conclusive scientific proof that anyone is born gay all the studies have proven completely futile however let's imagine for a moment that at some point in the future scientists did discover a gay gene would it necessarily legitimize the gay lifestyle well think of it like this Imagine that scientists one day discovered a paedophile gene that proved that some people are naturally attracted to children. What would our reaction to that be? Would we say, well, since the paedophiles are born that way, then let's legalise paedophilia and call anyone who opposes it an intolerant paedophobe. It turns out that the poor things are just a marginalised minority who need equality. Would we say that? What if we found an addiction gene that proved that some people are born with a natural tendency towards drug addiction? Would that discovery lead us to say, Well, the drug addict was simply born that way. He can't help it. So let's brand anyone who opposes drug addiction as a bigoted drugophobe. Let's have drug pride marches where we watch addicts taking cocaine on the street and wave flags in support because they're just expressing who they are. And let's throw opponents to drug addiction in jail under hate speech charges if they dare to suggest that it might not be entirely healthy. Would we say that? As we go deeper into the left pit, we might one day. But right now, I hope that this generation still has the sense to say no. I hope that we realize that it doesn't matter what we're naturally inclined to do. We still have responsibility to live by some kind of objective moral code, a sense of righteousness that informs us which impulses to allow and which impulses to reject. Remember, what comes naturally to us isn't always good. The Bible tells us that we all inherited a sinful nature from Adam and Eve, and because of it, many of humanity's impulses are selfish, cruel, and deceptive. This is why you never need to teach a child to take a cookie from the cookie jar and then lie about it. This is why you never need to teach them to take another child's toy. Children will do these things anyway because they are hardwired with a sinful nature. Because it comes naturally, though, it doesn't mean that theft and lying is good. And this is why parents train their children to fight against their own natural impulses. Instead, we teach our children to share and be honest and kind, even when they don't want to be. And in adulthood, it's exactly the same. We have urges within us to lust and gossip and fight and commit adultery. But it's our regard for righteousness that stops us surrendering to all of those natural but bad impulses. And this is good. If we did surrender to all of our natural impulses, there would be damage, impotence disease, jealousy, pain, sadness, for any happiness in this world, quite a lot of restraint is going to be necessary. And it's a respect for hard righteousness that gives us this moral restraint. So again, just because it's there within us, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. We still have to ask the moral question. Now, some argue that since homosexuality exists in the animal kingdom, that should make it okay for humans too. The general line of reasoning is, well, if a sheep does it, then it must be natural. And if it's natural, then it must be okay for humans as well. Firstly, remember that it's not just human nature that was corrupted by the fall. It was all of nature. The world as it exists today is not the world God originally designed. Paul writes, but with eager hope, all creation looks forward to the day when it will join with God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So nature isn't always a reliable guide for what's right and wrong. After all, we live in a universe now where disease has become natural, where disasters have become natural, where war has become natural. God didn't design these things and yet they're here. So we have to look outside of nature to the one who designed it for guidance. What did God originally mean by creation? Well, he tells us repeatedly through his word that he didn't mean homosexuality. Now secondly, even if you don't accept the Bible's authority this, it should be noted that homosexuality isn't even particularly prevalent in the animal kingdom. Earlier we discovered that only 1.7% of humans identify as gay, while the numbers of animals exhibiting gay behaviours are at least as low. Even Simon Levay said a homosexual orientation if one can speak of such things in animals seems to be a rarity. He says that even homosexual behaviors that are exhibited are often not due to same-sex attraction but rather down to other animalistic motivations. For example dogs may mount one another as a show of dominance. Levay therefore goes on to say it seems to be very uncommon that individual animals have a long-lasting predisposition to engage in homosexual behavior to the exclusion of heterosexual activities. So 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 even in the animal kingdom, heterosexuality is the normative position. Thirdly, even if it were prevalent in animals, in what world would we be sane to take our sexual morality from a goat or a crab? The animal world abounds with practices that no human would attempt, and rightly so. I remember a wildlife programme years ago where shocking footage was shown of a group of monkeys launching a frenzied attack on another one and killing it. Warnings were given before the show, and I actually didn't watch it because I couldn't stomach the thought. So who in their right mind would have watched that documentary and thought, well, if monkeys are committing brutal gang murders, then it must be natural, and that means it's okay for humans too. In the same way, who's ever seen a dog eating poop and thought, well, if dogs do it, then it must be natural, let's, let's go eat some poop. If we've never had those thoughts, and I imagine we haven't, then why would we see homosexual behaviours in a cow and think, well, if a cow is doing it? The logic is simply flawed. Children don't feel gay, in fact children don't feel any sexual awareness until puberty, which generally begins around 11 or 12 years old, sometimes earlier, but around that age. What they perhaps mean is that when they developed a sexual awareness at that age, they found a homosexual impulse already within them and then assumed, well it must have been here this whole time, I guess it's been there since birth. But this is the great unsayable about homosexuality. It is normally caused by psychological scarring and emotional trauma in those early developmental years before puberty. Here's the words of an ex-gay man called Joseph Sayambra who wrote this piece about his time in the lifestyle. Generally, as is the case more so after the sexual revolution, Gay men enter the lifestyle while in their late teens or early twenties. At that age there are plenty of opportunities to express oneself and to experiment. This newfound power can be heady at first. For instance, you were once the kid that no one wanted on their team, or the boy with the overly critical and unloving father, or the scared child that someone touched. Suddenly you are with people who have largely gone through the same thing, though almost never admitting it. Instead, everyone plays out the trauma of youth and a bizarre ceremony of reenactment is healing. Now, you can dance into the throng, feel their warm bodies next to you, and imagine that you're finally part of the group. Older men who want you to call them daddy ask you out, and that moment of shame and embarrassment from your childhood doesn't seem strange or horrifying anymore, because you can live it over again and draw pleasure from it under what you think are your own terms. Although I observed a genuine affection between gay men, it was akin to the instant camaraderie which indelibly links all horror survivors, for this was the characteristic that I witnessed in every same-sex couple. A bond of suffering enkindled by their shared memories of a childhood gone wrong. Failed parents, tales of bullied boys and lonely nights spent crying out for love. It was a marriage forged through experience of coming out, finding an introductory pride and hope in the gay lifestyle, then seeing it dashed by the reality of the collective gay self centerness and its propensity towards meaningless sex. They flee it and by doing so, reveal its inherent dysfunction. At the root of most homosexuality isn't a shrunken hypothalamus or a gay gene or hormone levels in the womb. It's normally just a child who is fatherless or isolated or abused. It's the result of emotional trauma and psychological scarring in formative years. It's a boy who never had a father and who then craves that missing masculine love. It's a kid who is bullied at school. It's a girl who had an abusive father and who now hates men. In fact, here's an ex-lesbian story. She's called Jackie. Born with an inherent disposition to sin, mixed with fatherlessness, molestation and limited to no examples of trustworthy men, led me into a lifestyle of homosexuality. It was a way of life I willingly embraced. My style of dress and behaviour was somewhat indicative of my personality. A girly girl can never be used to describe Jackie. An aggressive tomboy was more like it. Therefore the girls I attracted were typically everything that allowed me to become what I thought I wanted to secretly be – a man. I always saw men as being something to envy. They seemed strong, powerful, in control femininity, or the skewed view of it that I held, seemed weak. Part of my embracing masculinity and rejecting femininity was my own way of protecting myself from pain, pain that I believed men were capable of subjecting me to. After all, that's what my father did to me. That's what I saw men do to my mother. That's what I witnessed my guy friends do to the women they claimed to love. All I knew of men was that they used their manliness as a means to inflict pain, and us women, us weak beings, were target practice. In his book, My Genes Made Me Do It, A Scientific Look at Sexual Orientation, Dr. Neil Whitehead writes, Ex-gay support groups report that between 50% and 60% of homosexual men coming for help have been abused sexually. This is confirmed by various researchers. Ex-gay groups report high levels of male sexual abuse, up to 85% in female homosexuals who come for help. Rather than affirming this dysfunction then, we should be helping people to find healing. Surely that is the most loving thing that we can do. As Joseph and Jackie's stories tell us, you can leave the homosexual lifestyle. Jackie finishes her testimony by saying, I am a Christian, a wife, a mother, and a woman who is being made strong in her weaknesses, and I love it. There are many other ex-gay people out there too. Author and ex-lesbian Alma Kramer writes, I made a choice to be a lesbian in my life that put me in bondage for 20 years. While it's true that there were certain things in my childhood that happened or didn't happen that influenced my choice, I still made a choice. Wow, I'm so. So glad that we can change. I can remember the time when I thought that there was no way out. Ex lesbian Yvette Kantu Schneider says, I came out of homosexuality after a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ and a desire to serve and obey him. I can say with complete honesty that I never have homosexual desires of any sort, physical or emotional. Ex homosexual and ex gay rights leader Michael Glatt says, homosexuality is death and I choose life. There are many more success stories. Is it easy? No, but is it possible? Absolutely. Homosexuals first and foremost harm themselves. They are 50% more likely to suffer from depression and to engage in substance abuse. They are 200% more likely to commit suicide. They will die around 20 years earlier than straight people as a direct result of the increased disease involved in their lifestyle. They are destined never to find a settled life partner. The Journal of Sex Research tells us that 85% of heterosexual married women stay faithful. 75% of heterosexual married men stay faithful where it is just 4.5% of homosexual men stay faithful. That's a huge gap that gives us insight into the brokenness of the gay lifestyle. The promiscuity means that even though gay people are under 2% of the population, they make up 61% of HIV cases. It is vastly more disease-prone. Furthermore, the incidences of domestic violence between homosexual men is nearly double that of the heterosexual population. A Northwestern University study involving 30,000 and participants reported one of our startling findings was that the rates of domestic violence among same-sex couples is pretty consistently higher than for opposite sex couples previous studies have suggested that as many as 75% of the homosexual population will experience domestic violence at some point in their lives the amount of promiscuity disease violence and early death prevalent within the gay lifestyle doesn't speak of a perfectly healthy legitimate alternative lifestyle because it isn't the facts speak of people who are hurting confused and broken because they are In 1989, a book called Heather Has Two Mommies was released amidst a storm of controversy. Google Books called it the first lesbian-themed children's book ever published. It represented a startling first in children's literature, a story about the daughter of lesbians. The book was designed to present a positive image of gay parenting that might help to change the public opinion. In 2015, the book was re-released, but in an interesting twist, the girl who was the subject of the book, Heather Barwick, then 31 years old and a married mother of four, released an open letter explaining just how much pain it had actually caused her to be raised by lesbians. She says, Do you remember that book, Heather Has Two Mommies? That was my life, growing up, and even into my twenties. I supported and advocated for gay marriage. It's only with some time and distance from my childhood that I'm able to reflect on my experiences and recognize the long-term consequences that same-sex parenting had on me. And it's only now, as I watch my children loving and being loved by their father each day, that I can see the beauty and wisdom in traditional marriage and parenting. Same-sex marriage and parenting withholds either a mother or father from a child while telling him or her that it doesn't matter, that it's all the same, but. It- It's not. A lot of us, a lot of your kids are hurting. My father's absence created a huge hole in me and I ached every day for a dad. I loved my mom's partner, but another mom could never have replaced the father I lost. I grew up surrounded by women who said they didn't need or want a man, yet as a little girl I so desperately wanted a daddy. It's a strange and confusing thing to walk around with this deep down unquenchable ache for a father, for a man, in a community that says that men are unnecessary. There were times I felt so angry with my dad for not being there for me. And then times I felt angry with myself for even wanting a father to begin with. There are parts of me that still grieve over that loss today. I'm not saying that you can't be good parents. You can, I had one of the best. I'm also not saying that being raised by straight parents means everything will turn out okay. We know there are so many different ways that the family unit can break down and cause kids to suffer. Divorce, abandonment, infidelity, abuse, and death, etc. But by and large, the best and most successful family structure is one in which kids are being raised by both their mother and father. Gay marriage doesn't just redefine marriage, but also parenting. It promotes and normalises a family structure that necessarily denies us something precious and foundational. It denies us something we need and long for, while at the same time telling us that we don't need what we naturally crave, that we will be okay. But we're not. We are hurting. So you see, homosexuality does harm others. This lovely picture here is just an ideologically driven myth. Okay, this is really the core of the issue now. With all statistics, science, and truth stacked up against the pro-gay position, an extraordinary thing has recently happened, and it could only have happened in a left pit. People have stopped caring about all that stuff. They just don't care what the truth is anymore. They don't care about the moral arguments or even the scientific arguments. Samantha Allen writes, As homosexuality approaches a critical mass of cultural acceptance, more and more people are comfortable challenging the dominant born that way narrative. In 2012, Sex and the City star Cynthia Nixon caused a stir when she told the New York Times that her lesbianism is a choice. When she faced pushback for this statement from the LGBT community, Nixon held her ground saying, Why can't it be a choice? Why is that any less legitimate? It seems we're ceding this point to bigots who are demanding it, and I don't think they should define the term of the debate. Simon Copland of The Guardian agrees, noting that lesbian and gay people should refuse the nature or nurture dialectic and demand respect regardless of how homosexuality comes about. To accept these terms, Copland rightly argues, would be to constrain both the freedom of LGBT politics and the fluidity of sexuality itself. After all, it's not 1996 anymore. In 2014, the gay gene simply doesn't matter. The science behind it is narrow and inconclusive. Its rhetorical potential, if it ever had any, has been thoroughly exhausted. And at this point, continuing to pursue a genetic explanation for homosexuality could do more harm than it does good. It doesn't matter whether or not you were born this way. What matters is being accepted the way you are, however you got there. The New Scientist said something very similar. It said, ultimately what causes homosexuality doesn't matter as much as the fact that homosexual people exist and have always existed in every society on earth. In the words of the activists, some people are gay, get over it. Julie Bindle wrote for the New Statesman saying, there is no gay gene and I love the idea that I chose to be a lesbian. Liberals are realising that the truth about genes and brain size, disease, promiscuity and all of that factual information just isn't stacking up in their favour. And if they pursue that line of argument any further, it might do their cause more harm than good. So what they're saying now is, well, ignore all of that stuff, the science and the stats and the truth. That doesn't really matter. Some people are just gay. Get over it. Love is love and love is all that matters. And what's more, and this is the key, They're discovering that because all of culture has moved into the left pit along with them, everyone else pretty much feels that way now too. People increasingly don't care about the facts behind homosexuality. Samantha Allen again says... The magic bullet for the acceptance of homosexuality seems to be the act of knowing an actual gay or lesbian person, not reading a study that suggests the possibility of a shared genetic marker on the XQ28 region of the X chromosome. While the percentage of Americans who believe that homosexuality is innate has only ticked upward 11% since 1997, the percent of Americans who know a gay or lesbian person has increased more than 35 percentage points over that time, according to the same Gallup poll. In terms of promoting LGBTQ, equality then, it doesn't seem to matter as much whether or not people believe that gay people are born that way as it does that they simply know someone who is currently gay, no matter how they were born. Friendship is the trump card in the movement for equality, not etiology. So the bottom line for our left pit culture is that we don't really care about the facts anymore. Facts mattered in the modern era, but they don't matter in the postmodern era. We're in a post-truth society now. The thing is that we know a gay person and our heart feels sympathy for them. We saw a gay comedian on TV and he seemed funny. We saw a heart-tugging storyline of a gay person being bullied on a soap opera and we felt heart-sore for them. We've been emotionally led down this path by our hearts and in the process, we've been willing to switch off our brains entirely and we've been willing to condone immorality in the process. As ever, when we do this, it leads to absurdities. Earlier we caught a glimpse of the world's first three-way same-sex marriage. The three men went on record to say, some people may not agree and are probably amazed by our decision, but we believe that many people do understand and accept our choice. In the 21st century, love is love after all. Of course it is. If love is all that matters, then why not three men together? Indeed, why not ten? Why not a man and a zebra? Why not a zebra and a lamppost? No absurdity is too great when we turn away from the hard virtues, reject the idea of truth, reason, and righteousness, and claim that love is all that matters. Indeed, how long before people start saying that pedophilia is also a valid expression of love, or that incest is also a valid expression of love? Without a sense of righteousness, the left pit mindset has no safeguard against this. Is there
2: anything wrong with gay marriage? <laughs> no. There's nothing weird about that, do you think? No, you know, let people love. As long as they're consenting adults? Yeah, of course. That's fine, right? Yeah. So, do you have any problem? Would you think it would be weird if one of your friends was having sex with their sister? How, how does that relate? Well, they're the two consenting adults, so we're just uh, using liberal logic if you think that it's totally normal to have a homosexual relationship. I, I hate the idea, but if both are happy with it and they don't have any kids, then like sure, I don't see a huge problem with it. So you think incest marriage is 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 okay? Nothing weird about that? No, though? it's super weird, but if it's not hurting anybody, then I don't care. So by calling it weird though, aren't you being a bigot and an incest phobe, like the liberals are saying the Christians are for saying that gay people are weird? You're you you you're an incest phobe. You're a bigot against I mean incest? it makes me it makes it makes me uncomfortable. Okay. So is there anything wrong if a Christian or a conservative thinks that Homosexuals are weird, or it mm-hmm. makes them uncomfortable to see these people on television. Uh, do you think that there's something? Do you think they're being bigots because they think that it's perverted to, and makes them feel uncomfortable to see these uh, this gay agenda? I think it's I think it's fine as long as they're not hating on anybody, as long as they're not hurting people and insulting them, just. You got to just let people what they do what they want to do. It's like the incest thing, not into it, but if people are, that's fine with me, it doesn't affect me. I don't want them to have kids because, you know, there's some biologically like messed up stuff, possibly. So you would approve of the incest marriage then? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, Why? why not? What do you say about the people who say that homosexuals are disgusting? What do you feel about those critics of the LGBT community? I think they're disgusting. You think they're disgusting? Yeah. So you you agree that two consenting adults should be able to have a sexual relationship of their preference without being called disgusting or perverts, correct? So if uh, one of Uh your best friends was having sex with his sister... Uh Uh-huh. Would you say that's disgusting or perverted? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, so you're an incest phobe then? So so you are judgmental about two consenting adults having a sexual
0: relationship? Well, like, relationship the thing about then. incest is that if the woman it's were not to natural. become pregnant, that there's severe birth defects to the child, so.
2: Let's say they're not going to have children, though. Well, so you're, it you're, could still happen. They're they're not going to have children. They're just they're having a consensual incestuous relationship. So you think that's disgusting? Well, that's fine. If if they're not going to have kids, there's no there's no reason for me to judge them. So there's nothing wrong with a brother and a sister having sexual relations with each not other. And if they're not going to have kids, totally normal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> thank you. Just checking.
3: If the sister wants it and the brother wants it, go for it,
2: dude. If the guy has a vasectomy and there's no children involved, would you? No would you, children. Yeah. So you I wouldn't
4: tell them not to do what they want to do, but I wouldn't do it.
2: Until if some folks wanna practice incest, is that are they gonna be welcomed in your safe space? Um if there are two consenting adults.
0: Like if they're two consenting adults I mean, I guess so.
1: If we don't start loving truth and righteousness again, we're on a very dark road here. As Christians, we simply want to encourage individuals to form healthy, natural relationships, raise healthy children and to know the God who made them because ultimately that is best for everyone.
5: At the recent drag march in New York City, transsexuals marched while repeating the pro pedophilia sounding chant, We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your, we're here, we're here, we're not for your children. Was this just mere words, as much of the mainstream media, including NBC, reported? Or does this simply underscore what millions of Americans are concerned about regarding the perverse grooming leading to the sexual mutilation and ruination of our kids? Hey, it's good to be with you today. I'm sorry, brother Chad is out today. He's really sick. He did everything he could to get here. Couldn't make it, uh, but he's going to be with us hopefully next week. But man, we are in, I'm going to encourage you right now, buckle your seatbelts uh, with the clips I'm going to show you, the discussion we're going to have with regard to this agenda that we are going to be looking at, the transsexual gay agenda and the target of our children after you see what you're going to see and after you take a, a deep dive with me in this short amount of time that we have, uh, if you are not moved, you're gonna have to take your pulse to see whether you're alive or not because uh, you're not gonna get this in the mainstream media. You're not gonna see this in 99% of most Christian media because it's just too dark, but you need to know what's going on because we need to be aware that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to us that in the last days, it would be like the days of Lot, like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah where there was a militant movement against those who stood for truth and the spread of, in fact, it was old people and young people as well joined together that came against Lot and his family and sought to rape the men that were in his house. So if we discuss this subject, I really encourage you uh, to be prayerful and to be wise. And if you have children in your midst, you might wanna you know, just give you a little a parental advisory for, for the sake of your children. We also wanna encourage you, if you feel led, please subscribe and give us a thumbs up because we want this to get out to as many people as possible because, as you probably know by now, we love to share the gospel, and we see a lot of people saved through our videos, so I encourage you to subscribe and uh, and give us a thumbs up. After the transsexual march there in New York City, Governor DeSantis, who is also a presidential candidate, made the declaration that if you're going to come after our children, we're going to have problems. We're going to stand up for our kids.
3: Yeah, there was a thing. I think it was in New York City. Some of you may have seen... It was, a, it was some type of demonstration, and they had like these drag queens saying, the chant was, we're coming for your children. Well, let me tell you this, you know, like, an, people, adults, you know, they do, it's a free country, right? I mean, like, I kind of just like, you know, mind my own business, but you start coming for our kids, we've got problems, and we are gonna stand up for our kids.
5: Let's face it, folks, gay parades, trans parades, and so forth, they are already have an influence on many children because there's all kinds of children out there Actually seeing the special rights uh, that that gays and transgenders have beyond even heterosexuals because they're out there showing their junk in front of a bunch of little kids. And where that would be illegal for you to kind of walk around the street like that, and it should be illegal, uh, you can get away with it if you're in a trans or gay parade in some areas. Hi there.
3: I was just looking to ask an officer a question. Uh, and then I got forwarded to you. Um, is yeah. there, I, I just want to make sure I'm not working outside of any laws or anything like that. If you want to be out in the street, you you have to be fully clothed and you can't be naked or anything like that, right? Well, I mean, there are naked people running around on the street. Okay. But is that against the law? That
0: would be some mental health issues.
3: Oh, okay. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> I, I, it's just, I'm having a hard time. Yesterday, I seen um, a bunch of people naked in front of children and police officers. You know, seeing men with their penis out in front of kids, and I'm just wondering if that's acceptable. was that
2: part of the, was that part of the pride you mean? Was
3: that yeah, on the weekend? Yeah, it was at the pride parade.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's always the issue. Then each year,
3: is that what's the issue with that? Sorry.
1: Well, I mean that happens every year
3: oh so like it's kind of like it's okay for when it's at the Pride parade but not in other situations obviously
0: exactly I would I would say so
5: yeah okay well thank you very much for your time I find it absolutely ridiculous you guys that uh, many of the major news outlets like NBC, the way they covered what was going on with regard to this chant, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, and how they downplayed it and talked about it being mere words as they as they reported uh, from the transgender community that, hey, we're kind of just playing into the stereotypes, it's not really serious and so forth. But that would be like the KKK after chanting about how they're going after uh, black folks uh, and so forth, uh, saying, oh, actually, those are just mere words, we're kind of playing into the stereotypes. We're not really actually against black people or going after black people. When reality, their comments belie their behavior, and it's, it's true as well with the transgender and gay uh, gay movement. Uh, many of the activities within the movements and the agenda, it becomes patently absurd to claim that there's no agenda to reach our children and go after America's children, my children, your children, our grandkids if you have grandchildren. And it's absolutely reprehensible and it strikes at the heart. And this is something that we do need to stand up against and say, no, you're not going to touch my children. In fact, at the recent New York City Trans- parade or march, uh, there were participants that were actually holding signs that said groom sissies in reference to cis or to non-transgender children. However, notice that NBC's article on the New York City drag march that they acknowledged that it was organized by radical fairies. But what NBC failed to mention is that the radical fairies who have been organizing the New York City drag march for years now was co-founded by Crowleyan occultist Harry Hay, who was a member before his death of the pro-pedophilia North American Man-Boy Love Association. Yes, NAMBLA. Here we see Harry Hay marching in a gay parade, promoting NAMBLA with a placard draped over his body. Even the politically correct Wikipedia in their entry on Harry Hay acknowledged that Harry Hay was the, quote, founder of the Mattachine Society the first sustained gay rights group in the United States, as well as the Radical Fairies, a loosely affiliated gay spiritual movement. Controversially, Hay was an actual supporter of NAMBLA, a pedophile advocacy organization, and that he, quote, spoke out in support of relationships of men and young boys as young as 13. Harry Hay, of course, uh, went to several Nambla meetings, North American Manboy Love Association meetings, uh, where he, they discussed things in those meetings, uh, like you know, you know, eradicating age of consent laws, so they could get to our children. After all, uh, homosexuals can't really reproduce, and they want fresh blood. And uh, not all homosexuals want kids, obviously. Thank God, but. Many of them do, uh, many trans people obviously do. We're looking at those who started these gay parades or I should say, uh, organized many of these gay parades in, in New York City, including uh, the recent one. But it's interesting, uh, they wanna erase or eradicate these age of consent laws because they want our children. They wanna groom them because they want fresh meat, okay? They wanna grow their movement. And Harry Hay even at one of these meetings suggested that they change the name NAMBLA uh, to boy lovers, you know? And it's absolutely disgusting, folks. Gay journalist and SNM activist Donna Minkowitz acknowledged that, quote, some of NAMLA's literature has pictures of seven-year-old kids. And she went on to protest that little kids don't have the capacity to say yes or no and enter into such sexual relationships. What's even crazier about this is Harry Hay, being the co-founder of Radical Fairies, was a member of Satanist Aleister Crowley's Order Templi Orientis, or the OTO. He was called the oldest hippie because he was going after the young guys. Yet Satanist Aleister Crowley himself was a pedophile. Crowley said this, quote, Let me seduce the boys of England. I shall fight openly for that which no living Englishman dare defend, even in secret sodomy. America's top sexologist, Alfred Kinsey, who notoriously influenced the sexual penal code throughout the United States, as well as academia, corroborated with pedophiles who encouraged to keep diaries of the responses of children that they were molesting. By
6: far the most disturbing evidence against the Kinsey reports is the information pertaining to the sexual behavior of children. This was something noted in the 1950s by Professor Albert Hobbes who wrote that, according to Kinsey, a child molester may have contributed favorably to a child's later socio-sexual development. Should Americans trust information about child sexuality from child molesters who were raping kids? As Dr. Bancroft has admitted, Kinsey's pedophile data directly impacts sex education in America. These specific findings about these children are totally irrelevant to modern sex education. But where did Kinsey get his information? Did it really come from just one man? The allegedly lone pedophile that Bancroft and the Kinsey Institute point to was known as Mr. Green in Kinsey's research. His real name was Rex King, a man who kept written diaries in which he claimed to have molested more than 800 children. Like most pedophiles, King was never caught and never served a day in prison. The Kinsey Institute usually presents King as a man who simply kept meticulous records and mysteriously came into contact with Kinsey. This same idea was presented in the Hollywood film Kinsey, starring Liam Neeson. But what Kinsey supporters do not reveal is that Mr. Green had been personally trained by Kinsey's mentor, Dr. Robert Dickinson. Something admitted by Paul Gephardt in the 1998 British documentary, Kinsey's Pedophiles. Kinsey was told about Green by his own mentor in sex research, Dr. Robert Dickinson. Dickinson had collaborated with the pedophile for several years and taught him how to record his child abuse in scientific detail. He told him how to measure things and time things and uh, and encouraged him to... uh, he knew he was going to do his uh, ordinary behavior anyway. Dickinson couldn't have stopped him from being a pedophile. Or, but he said, at least you ought to uh, you know, do something scientific about it so there'll be, it won't be just your jollies. It'll be something worthwhile to science.
5: Alfred Kinsey was not only an admirer of Aleister Crowley the Satanist, but is seen here with Satanist Kenneth Anger at Crowley's former sex temple in Sicily, taking a staged picture under a pic of Aleister Crowley. Kinsey's sex partner and co-author, Wardell Pomeroy, stated that Kinsey and Kenneth Anger removed the paint used by the Italian government to cover up Crowley's obscene pictures, which Crowley left behind when he was kicked out of Italy. They found that these depictions, which Crowley painted, were perverse orgies, which included children. Pomeroy wrote of this in his book, Dr. Kinsey and the Institute of Sex Research, stating, quote, The great beast and his followers were against any kind of religion in any form except their own. They held group orgies as a part of their ritual and included in them the small children the women brought with them. The walls inside were still painted in British oriental colors and were covered with the most open, as Kinsey put it, sexual action pictures, basically child pornography. The remainder of the paintings were life-size representations of sexual activity, both homosexual, heterosexual, singly, doubly, and in groups including children. Dr. Pomeroy, Kinsey's protege and sex partner, actually appeared in court trying to defend eradicating the age or at least lowering the age of consent so men could get to our children. It's interesting as well that he was the founder of the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, whose staff and faculty performed group, couple, and single-person illegal sexual conduct, including child pornography. In our groundbreaking video called The Kinsey Syndrome, which Ted Bear of Movie Guide uh, stated was one of the most important videos of the 21st century. We actually went to San Francisco and we went into the Kinsey-Spand Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, which Pomeroy founded, and confronted them in regard to one of their declarations that they stood against any discrimination in regard to age regarding sexuality, i.e., sexual consent laws. Even if it's two minutes, the no, opinion. I, I never- really can't. So can you answer uh, one question for us, sir? Needless to say, our initial
6: attempts were met with resistance.
5: There's, there's, can we get just one answer? On your website, which you make public, you say that you help those who are disadvantaged because they're aged sexually. Does that add up to endorsing pedophilia? We do not endorse anything. I
3: would strongly recommend that you turn the camera off and leave right, right now. This is this private, is private property. property. Get out.
6: Despite what appears to have been a denial, the Institute's website declares it is the sexual right of all people to engage in sexual acts or activities of any kind whatsoever, and that people have the right to sexual entertainment, including sexually explicit materials dealing with the full range of sexual behavior. If taken literally, these so-called rights would obviously include
5: pedophilia and child pornography. So folks, you can see that this is a movement that's actually rooted in Satanism with a Lester Crowley, Harry Hay, a member of his OTO, who's considered the founder of the modern day gay liberation movement. And this is spreading like wildfire. And many Christians are just sitting back watching it happen saying, we need to love each other and just let this stuff spread without standing up and speaking the truth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this has been happening for years. In fact, I think as far back as 1987, gay activist, Michael Swift He wrote an article uh, that he wrote as, you know, hyperbole or or tongue-in-cheek supposedly that actually proved prophetic. Swift said this in an article originally published in Boston's Gay Community News and now printed in the congressional record. Swift made this what seems to be now a prophetic declaration. Quote, we shall sodomize your sons, emblems of your feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies. We shall seduce them in your schools. Check. In your dormitories, check. In your gymnasiums, check. In your locker rooms, check. In your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathrooms, your sons shall become our minions and do our bidding. They will be recast in our image. They will come to crave and adore us. In 2011, gay activist Daniel Valario penned a column for Queerity.com entitled, Can We Please Just Start Admitting That We Do Actually Want to Indoctrinate Kids? Folks, with all the denial around, because many people are up in arms, many of these drag queens have admitted that they are going after our children, whether it's chanting in parades or whether it's like Daniel Pontiff, who, uh, before a council meeting, declared that, hey, we are actually, you know, we're trying to groom the children.
4: Hi, my name is Dylan Pontiff. I'm actually going to be one of the drag queens reading for Drag Queen Storytime, so... Apparently to a lot of people in this room, I'm the big boogeyman. But I'm here to let you know that this event is something that's gonna be very beautiful. And for the children and the people that support it are gonna realize that this is gonna be the grooming of the next generation. We are trying to groom the next generation. Now you have these people that are trying to prevent drag shows from being even seen by children. Like for Pride events, like kids not being able to go to Pride events because they don't want children to see drag queens. I think that if I can just like pull a few doing that drag queen story time for the first time and getting to read to these kids and sitting there and being introduced to all of this stuff. And so by the time that they see it, whenever they're teenage years, preteen years, it's not something that's weird and it's not something that's abnormal.
5: In fact, you can't make up how gross, how wicked, how perverse, how satanic all of this is, especially when you have San Francisco you know, gay men's choir singing about how they are going after our children. And this is especially creepy when you realize that several of these guys that are singing about going after our children are registered sex offenders.
2: You think that we'll corrupt your
4: kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny, just this once, you're correct. You can keep them from
0: disco. Worn about San Francisco? We'll convert your children, yes we will.
5: of course, a lot of people want to say, oh, well, you know what? Maybe that's just all tongue in cheek. But the reality is, folks, their spokesperson actually stated basically that they are indoctrinating children because in a declaration, he pointed out that, hey, the Christians, you guys have been indoctrinating your kids for a long time. Now it's our turn. Or, But wait a minute. We are encouraging our own children. You're going after our children because you don't have children. In fact, let me read the declaration by the spokesperson. He stated, quote, after decades of children being indoctrinated and taught intolerance for anyone who was other, from using the Bible as a weapon to reparative therapy, it's our turn. We have dedicated ourselves to being role models, teaching and spreading the message of love, tolerance, and celebration through our music, end quote. So there you have it, folks. There's an acknowledgement right there that we're using our music to teach your children, okay? So they can say, oh, well, this is just all fun, or it's just, we know what's up, guys. It's satanic to the core. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, that there is a satanic movement afoot to destroy your children. In fact, Satanist Lester Crowley, who's been prominent in this show, as we've shown that a lot of this starts with him, he said that, that the marriage institution is, is detestable. And he stated that the family is public enemy number one. Okay, that sounds familiar. That sounds like what BLM was saying, right? That they wanted the destruction of the nuclear family. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ warned us in the revelation of Jesus Christ, in Revelation chapter 11, that this was coming. He even stated that even Jerusalem would be like Sodom, which was destroyed because of their gross sexual perversion and homosexuality. He said it'd be like Sodom and Egypt. And in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17, the Lord Jesus Christ said this, it was the same in the days of Lot. He's speaking of what happened in Sodom. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But in the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. The half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ wrote in Jude 1.7, and don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah, and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. I hope and pray that your hearts are breaking for the children who are under this onslaught of evil. Uh, How could your hearts not break? You know, this is wicked. If you are on the wrong side of this and you are standing against the Lord Jesus Christ and you are all about exploiting the kids and and brainwashing them and, and and telling them that there's no God or and that God doesn't have a design between male and female, the two coming together as one flesh in holy marriage and bringing forth beautiful children and you're promoting this lifestyle, I encourage you, I encourage you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to consider eternity. This life is very short. You're gonna be standing before God saying, we need to get right with God. You see, our hearts need to break for the children, but guess what? God's heart also breaks for those who are on the wrong side of this because he loves them. He wants to see them saved. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, the apostle Paul says, be not deceived. He gives a list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, like, like drunkards and extortioners and revilers and thieves and so forth. But he also mentions uh, uh, homosexuals, uh, adulterers, he mentions fornicators, heterosexual, sexuals, deviancy too. But he mentions homosexuals and he says also the effeminate. And the effeminate are men, as we see it, that Greek word is used in those days of men that sought to be like women, who would shave themselves like women and try to, to wear the women's clothes and actually castrate themselves in some cases, that they will not inherit God's kingdom. But the beautiful promise is, is that we can be saved from that. doesn't matter how wicked you've been, how far down the path you've gone against God and sexual perversion, you can be saved because the Apostle Paul goes on to declare of those former homosexuals and effeminate and adulterers and so forth that were in those in, at the Church of Corinth, he goes on to declare this, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There's a beautiful promise there, folks. They were made clean because they called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were forgiven. They were cleansed of their sins because everything they had done was forgiven because Christ died for every one of us. He died for all of our sins. In fact, the scripture goes on to say, not only were they calling upon the name of the Lord, but it goes on to say that they were made holy by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, that's God in us, the hope of glory for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we become forgiven of our sins because he paid for every sin we've committed on the cross. But the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and he transforms us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Apostle Paul writes, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation, Behold, all things have become new. So the beautiful promise is this. Jesus doesn't only forgive us when we come to him. That's the good news. But the news is not just good, it's great, because he also transforms us and gives us new desires. And those perverse, ungodly, unnatural desires, men with men, women with women, are transformed as God sanctifies us through a process where we become, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10:13. the Apostle Paul says, whoever, calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you can call upon the name of the Lord. That means he loves you. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that he was the chief of sinners. He says, it's a trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, of which Paul says, I am chief. I'm the worst. But Paul goes on to say, God saved me to show you or show others that whoever comes to Christ would also be accepted. Because after all, if he died for the worst of sinners, therefore he would accept everybody because he died for everybody. Don't let the enemy have your eternal soul. It's not worth it. Jesus says, what is a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Hell is forever and ever and ever. Jesus warned about hell more than anybody else in the Bible, but he also is the way, the truth, and life. He said, nobody comes to the Father but through me. I encourage you to turn to him now so you can have eternal life and be with the Father God forever. I encourage everybody listening, watch over your children. Watch that they don't get sucked in through social media, through friends that may introduce them to this perversion. Watch your children with your very lives. We love you guys. God bless you and press on in the Lord Jesus Christ.
4: Thank you guys so much for watching 5.11 News. You can check out some of the older episodes as well as the Good Fight Radio Show and videos we have right here on our YouTube channel. And this week's featured product is the Kinsey Syndrome.
5: You can check this out at goodfight.org. God bless you guys.